Hello, Internet. Welcome to our latest episode of our podcast from Kopitiam Council. And as usual, I'm your host, Hafiz, and I'm with... Nikki And Ifti. I'll do a little point as well. Correct. So these are the three guys who try to lead conversation in Sabah. Isn't it so, guys? Yes. Try. This is Kopitiam Council, <laughs> where liberal minds meet. That's Correct. right. Yeah. Why are you laughing, Ifti? Why I'm not laughing? laughing. I'm not laughing. This is agreement. I love this. That's agreement. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 cool to know that. Um, uh, to start off with our podcast today, I would like to touch on a very recent controversial issue at uh, Kimani's by-election. So yeah. for those who are sorry, into politics issue. So this is something very, um, what, what, very sensitive to yeah. some people. Hot Isn't button it? issue. Hot button issues yeah. by some uh, Sabahan. Have you guys heard about PSS, Sabah Temporary Pass? Peace. <laughs> yes, I have heard of PSS. Yeah, yeah. yeah you had um, um, Pass Sementara Sabah. Yeah. I know a little bit about it, but Mm. I would like a better explanation. I know it's supposed to take over from a lot of things, IMM 13 and a few other things, and make it all under under one department and one ID system. All right. So basically, what is PSS? PSS is a temporary, some sort of like uh, documentation issued by the immigration uh, uh, department for those who actually... Uh, holding either IMM 13, Kat Burung Burung. Please do not ask me why is it called <laughs> Kat Burung Burung, or the uh, Sijil Banji. Right. So if you are uh, holder of any of these three, mm-hmm. you are entitled to get a new PSS. So here's here's the background a little bit. If you don't know what all these three, so IM thirteen was issued in the seventies for humanitarian humanitarian refugee yeah. from the uh, southern Philippines, mm. Mindanao area. So at that time there was some conflict by uh, the government Marcos. So these people have had to flee their homelands to go to Sabah. All right, yeah. political asylum. And that's that's about it. And cut uh, burung burung was issued in issued in eighties for the for economic uh, refugee, also for the uh, uh, sijil banchi. Okay. But sijil banchi in nineties, cut burung burung in the eighties. All right. All right. So these are the differences and why they're called uh, in such name. Mm. Also, another differences that you should be aware of is. Is the first one IM thirteen was issued by the immigration, mm-hmm. all right? That's yeah. immigration department. Uh, Kat burung burung was issued by uh, chief minister office, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not a different issuer. The third one Sijil Banchi was issued by the National Security Council. So t- three different s- separate entities, okay, but within the government, but. Also different in terms of because Im- definitely immigration have more power yeah. in, in this kind of issue. So what the governments that Shafi'i government uh, trying to propose was, first of all, let's unify this, consolidate everything under immigration. That's mm. a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. 
By any standard, that's a good idea. And immigration, Sabah immigration is not under federal, right? It's, it's not under state. federal. Yeah. Sabah and Sarawak have their own, state, state own autonomy on that. All right? So that's good. Number one. Second of all, because they want to solidify in this thing, mm-hmm. they also want to make it more secure. So they want to make it something like my card kind of secure. Mm. So they'll be using biometrics, like a new uh, photograph will be taken, yeah. those kind of stuff. But it's a security okay. measure. And then some hologram kind of stuff. So that's good as well, mm. all right? And then, to those out there, this is not, PSS is not uh, an access or a pre-approval for you to get a citizenship. It was not for that intention, it will never be. Mm. That was mentioned by the uh, chief minister. So, but how come there are some people using this uh, issue, especially in Kimanis by-election, and they use it to uh, scaremonger all these uh, Kimanis voters. Yeah. All right? So what they were saying is, this is just to legitimize all these people who, the holder of all this IM3, yeah. IMM 13, but uh, they were, Burung and Sijal Banchi. But they were already legitimized anyway because these things were legal documents, right? Exactly. So it's just to put exactly. them all under one database. Exactly. One so, so, so the government, government's effort to make it even more secure mm. was wrongly interpreted, interpreted yeah. as, oh, they, they just want to upgrade this documentation to somewhat citizenship-like. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's just stay the same. This is going to make it secure so that... So that no more those who because there are only certain I think there's less than hundred fifty thousand holders, right? Uh. So they don't want those the latecomers, whoever that comes in now, can imit- imitate this thing, okay? And 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 make you know counterfeit all this yeah. thing because after thirty years, don't tell me they cannot master the arts of imitate imitating the cards and yeah. everything. It was just all technology, just laminated whatever stuff. Oh, so it's just it, it, cards. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. So it didn't have any um, chipping or any... No, and all that no whatsoever. Yeah, so no that's security. why PSS was introduced yeah. to make it more secure using chip and everything biometric. Mm. But the, all this opposition was saying like, oh, look at uh, Warisan government trying to legitimize all these uh, illegal immigrants, whatever. No, yeah. no, no, it's not. Because you can't get it if you're an illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Because you and, have no... And another PBS, uh, Parti Bersatu Sabah representative, was arguing that PSS is not under I- immigration. So, so uh, I mean, uh, I am 13, whatever, it's, it's some, some sort of like against the immigration. Well, the other two, the Sejil Banchi and, and Kat Burung Burung, are already not under immigration. So what mm. we want is to pull them together mm. under immigration so that we can be more efficient in terms of exercising the power. Yeah. I can see, I, yeah, I can see how it, you can scaremonger people easily about this thing. But like, did the opposition, like, at least, did they have like, um, an argument as to how they could, cause they say they're afraid, oh, these people are going to be turned into citizens. Is there any way to, for them to be, become naturalized citizens? Through this PSS system? No, there's no okay. way. So the only way it would be if they married someone local gitu lah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just mm. because like what I said in the 70s, 80s and 90s, there mm. was these special circumstances. So they were allowed to give in such documentation. So you know IMM 13, Gun? Um, they're, they're, they're refugees. But you know, as a refugee, when like, what what is the term limit or what is the, what's the prerequisite for you to go back? 
like like I assume refugees, the you house them, but they don't. Then you know you you don't you don't have to actually keep them forever. So like with the situation, Mindanao is better now, right? So is there like any precedent to be like, okay, these people need to start going back? There is never clear on that. Right, okay. there's never no one ever being uh, so clear and uh, black and white with the return debt. All right, so what is clear is that you can renew this pass. Mm. So every time you renew, they will review your status or whatever. Yeah. And then on that day or on that special case on case basis, they'll review your case. Oh, so you've been staying here for 15 years. How's your economy? Whatever. Yeah. Or you actually have your uh, son or whatever, your mm. daughter actually studied here. This kind of stuff. Actually, you know? yeah. What would happen with their kids? If you have, if you have PSS or even if IMM 13 or what, one of these things and they have kids, do their kids get the same status they do? I hate to say this, but uh, I think my paycheck, it's, it's, that question is just beyond my paycheck. Oh, okay. Because yeah. do we have naturalized, uh, what is it called naturalized or oh, birth, birthright citizenship? Do we have that in Sabah? Yeah, Jusoli principle, yeah. Do Jusoli principle is, is where you were born. If you're born there, become, you yeah. become citizen. So like, we, Malaysia, Malaysia use that. Oh, yeah. okay. So let's say if you hold the of IMM 13 and you have okay, your so, okay, so their kids become Malaysian. Malaysian, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so there's no yeah. issue. All right. Yeah. So talking about this, uh, if the, you were you were saying earlier that about th- these issues have some kind, the Philippines some kind of a, like a, how <laughs> no, I, I was saying, I think the people here they're probably like, oh no, it's another round of colonization, right? Colonizations, <laughs> everyone. Wow. <laughs> Would it be mm-hmm. colonization? Really? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It'd be ridiculous. But you, I, I really imagine. I, I imagine somebody will be like, "Yo, what's going on? Is it colonization?" Do, do you think so, Nikki? This, is there any a slight? I think. Thing? I think. Uh, the countries in Asia, Southeast Asia, needs to be like EU, European Union, where you have freedom of movement. Yeah, man. So. Mm-hmm. We should have freedom of movement in Southeast Asia, so we don't have this problem. So, doesn't matter if you are from Philippines or from Thailand, you can freely enter work in this country, just like in EU. Polish, a Polish citizen can freely go into England, work there, but they, of course, they. No, they're, not go- they're not going to give yeah because of Brexit. They're not going to be given citizenship, right? But they will be given the opportunity to work. Mm. So it's good for the economy. And we need Southeast Asia needs to be like that for us to be competitive. Yeah, and it's good for us to be strong as well. Like it, we'd be, we'd, yeah, like you say, we'd be competitive. We'd be able to fight off. Uh, Fight off uh, foreign nations trying to take us over. Whoa. Like, how's not th- there yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, how did how did that even happen? Like, you know, like what, like colonization, and everything. Like, what, like what kickstarted colonization? Like, I don't, I don't even know why. Ap- apart from like thinking, oh, they came here because they want to conquer us. Like, what? Why did they even start like leaving? Why did they you're, start exploring? You, you're talking about Western colonization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, Western colonization. The why Western colonization happened was the fault of the Ottoman Empire. Ah, bloody Turkish! Yeah, Turkish people. I mean, you mean Boris descended? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was uh, the Ottoman Empire in 
conquered Constantinople, the Eastern Roman Empire, the mm. Byzantium. So what happened was when the uh, when the Ottoman Empire conquered Constantinople, they restricted the supply of spices into Europe. Okay. So when they restricted the the supply of spices in Europe into Europe, the the prices of spices shot up. So the uh, the nobles, the the elite in Europe need their spices. So what happened after that? The European started their age of exploration, where uh, one went through uh, South Africa, went through South Africa to get the spices in uh, India, mm. and Christopher Columbus said, "Oh wait." I can do better. I can go directly to India by a sea route, by the Atlantic. So he discovered the Americas. So just imagine, at this point of time, the Ottoman was more advanced than the European. Yeah. All right? But because the Ottoman conquered Constantinople and choked the supply of spices into Europe, they started the age of exploration. They forced the European to start the age of exploration. Yeah, to start looking for... Ro at first, looking for alternative uh, route to Asia to trade. And then, eventually, they will start to colonize, find new lands, discover a lot of things, discover yeah. medicine, you know, discover uh, all sorts of new knowledge. But, and then they became more powerful and more powerful and more advanced but like because of that the start the actual start of colonization like because like from what you're saying it was never the intention to go out and start conquering no. it, it, but so what like how did they start actually taking over swaths of land here and there mm, at first it was uh, for for example they it, it was first to get a trade route spices mm to get the spices into Europe. So in the Americas, Christopher Columbus, uh, to, to promote more uh, expedition, he uh, brought gold from the Americas uh. to present it to the kings and queens of Spain. And then the governments were like, yes. So, yes. <laughs> so that, Have an army. <laughs> that, that, that led to more exploration. Yeah. And then uh, the, the conquest, the conquisition, eh? conquistador. Conquistadors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The conquistador. The conquest of South America, where the Europeans conquered South America because of gold. At first it was because of gold. Then because they... Uh, created new ports they need to they wanted more from the land mm. so they started to plant plantation you know yeah. and pillaging the whole nation yes, yeah I get, pillaging the whole nation okay. but i guess yeah i guess if you're saying they're starting off ports now 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 that's the thing when they started to colonize south america they became richer the spain this uh, the, i mean the spanish so what happened next was the other european nations said oh we have to get into this act. Mm. So they start exploring. So the like the British, they start they discovered uh, North America. They started to colonize North America. And then the, so did the French. Uh. So 
because the Spanish started something, the other European nation began as well. Yeah. So this, uh, what do you call power struggle? This power struggle, this competition made them, uh, made them look uh, for more wealth, more power, more lands, yeah. and they became more, more and more powerful. And then soon, uh, what happened was, is that they become more developed than the rest of the world, yeah. even more advanced than the Ottoman. But I, I, I guess it, it wasn't like because I think there's like there's. When when I was younger, I used to think it was like they come in and they roll over the natives. You know, they were so much more superior. But that wasn't the case, right? Because like there were empires established, whether it's you know here in in Southeast Asia or the Aztecs and Olmecs. I don't know which ones at the time were there. Uh, so does it start with trade first, and then once they kind of when it comes when it comes to the North uh, the Americas, yeah, they were more superior. Oh, okay. You have to understand. When the Spanish came to South America, uh, the the Americans, the Native Americans, have not yet developed iron tools. Oh, okay. So they need to say bulldoze. They, when they first met with the Spanish, the Spanish were they already had gunpowder, they already had armor. Uh, armor. It's it's like two different. Uh, Two different leagues. Yes, yeah. two different leagues. The, the Europeans were more advanced. When, uh, at the start, when uh, the Ottomans uh, conquered Constantinople, that was different. That was like the Europeans were not as advanced as the Ottomans. Mm. Same with, uh, at the time, it was the same with the uh, Mughals in India. The yeah. Europeans were not more advanced than the Mughals. But a hundred years after Constantinople fell, the Europeans were becoming becoming more powerful, more advanced. And then sooner, uh, soon they start to become uh, the dominant force on earth. Okay. Interesting. Dominant, powerful, all these keynotes, right? Like more developed. It also means that they... Wait, uh, around which uh, Sir Sao, around which area? I mean, timeline is this? 1500s, is it? 15, 1600? When the Ottomans conquered Constantinople? Uh, I mean, some early modern age. Early yeah. modern age. They started after uh, the Ottomans conquered Constantinople, which is uh, 1453. But soon after, 1453, uh, soon after that, 100 years after that, they become more advanced. Okay. Right. Uh, that. 15-something, they, they were already advanced. When was the Industrial Revolution? 1776. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so even, even, even from that standard, like 1776, it's already like everything, in, everything is like industrialized, right? So... No, it began... Yeah, I mean like that's, that, that's yeah, the... The, yeah, the uh, Industrial Revolution truly kickstart something, sometimes in the 18-something. So that, that was the okay. beginning of them ravaging the earth. 1776 <laughs> was the point of time where uh, the Watt steam engine was first introduced commercially. Okay, cool. So talking about steam engine, so they already like started polluting the earth around that area, right? Which mm -hmm. is a bit rich because Western civilization 
nowadays if you uh, to any western any white boys out there <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening this in the UK and US Uh, you might you might want to turn this off now. Um, Why? What, what are we going to say? Uh, <laughs> because I'm about to say something very sensitive. Because yeah, they've been already ahead hundred of years, and of course, there's price that they actually like pay for it, right? Mm. So in terms of environmentally and whatever, so uh, it's like it's like that. It's like this trees thing, like. People keep talking about, like, do you guys? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it online. Yeah, yeah. The team trees. Do you, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Like twenty million trees, you know, for twenty million dollars. Mm, I've heard of it. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I find, I find it's like, I think it's rich coming like, like from from these Western developed nations trying to tell us like, oh yeah, you need to do this, you need to take care of your forest, blah, blah blah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but look at look, look at their look at their forest. If you look at the map of like where their trees were before and things like that, right? They've devastated their own land. Now they expect us to pick up the slack of 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 this climate emergency that they kicked off. It's not to say that we are not polluting the earth too. I mean China is doing a lot and Africa is industrializing like hugely. So, you know, we can't just completely say oh, this is all the western country's fault, but they keep trying to tell us what to do without actually investing in us or things like that. And they keep coming up with these and uh, crappy solutions like team trees, yeah, team trees. I have a problem with that because they They're making it look like all you need to do is plant trees, and this is a problem to me because have you have you heard of the term mitigation deterrent? Yeah, yeah. So it, for anyone who doesn't understand, like a mitigation deterrent, especially in terms of uh, climate solution techniques, is um, a a technology that comes in that um, makes you overlook current. Or other other possible technologies. So, in terms of trees, it's a mitigation deterrent because it it looks very um, it's very it's it, politically it looks really great. Um, socially, it looks good. Economically, it's cheap. Um, and and technologically, it's very easy to do. Something too good to be true. Yeah. And these 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 four factors, they they are the main parts of the climate solution framework. Like when you look at what you need to consider when we're trying to fix this this uh, global warming problem right let's not call it climate change climate change is a pr move by america to make it sound softer let's call it global warming that's what it is Hashtag #greta thunberg <laughs> yeah uh, uh, and and so our technological capacity that 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 is very important this is something that you know we need technologies to be able to fix the problem that we are bringing upon ourselves now when you look at the social political and economic systems This is more to do with governments and how governments make decisions as to what we need to do. The problem with trees are socially, and when when, when I say socially, I mean like public perception. It looks good. It's morally righteous, you know, the, uh, a forest, uh, reforestation. You know, it looks great. We're helping Mother Earth. So the public like it. Politically, it's because the public likes it, And if you suggest, yes, this is what I'm going to do, this would be great, you're going to get your votes, you know, you're going to get public support. And economically, it is the cheapest solution out there compared to other things like um, carbon sequesterization from the air. This is, you know, you, you must have seen it like a few years ago. They say, we're going to pull carbon dioxide out of the air and store it away. That's massively expensive at the moment. Um, and also, it's a new technology. They've only got like three pilot plants in the whole world. 
Um, uh, bioenergy capture is where you plant, you plant trees and then you burn them for fuel, but then that carbon dioxide and that fossil fuel, you, you take it straight from the stack and you store it. That's also more expensive. You know, and we all know how expensive like, um, renewables are to set up, like wind farms and things like that. Yeah. So for governments, this is a great, very easy, easy way to go into it. And this is the, this is the problem I have with Team Trees because like, obviously it's, I mean, I know that their intention is that, you know, they have a good intention. They want, they want to, they want to, they want to promote this ecological mindedness, you know, but this, this affects the public perception of, of, all right, Bixby activated. I'm sorry, we can cut this bit out. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, CIA calling. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is fucking Trump. Trump and his pro, 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 uh, no, anti global warming shit is trying yeah. to talk to me through my phone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like the problem with Team Trees are you, you start having people thinking this is the way that we need to do it. This is a great way of doing it. It's cheap. It's $1 per tree. It's not just $1 per tree though. Because if you do it wrong, then it's very expensive. Because, you know, if you look at, like, Pakistan said 5 billion trees or something, or 1 billion trees, uh, and, and Sudan or Ethiopia, I can't remember. Ethiopia. Ethiopia said they were going to do 500 or 1 billion trees. But if you just plant the tree there, and you don't plant the right trees, or you don't watch it for the next three or four years, uh, then you're, you're, you can't just count all of those trees. And so I don't understand, like, I think this $1 per tree, this is a way for charities to make it seem easy to get more funding. So it's, I understand why they're saying that as well, but it, but it, it becomes a moral hazard because a moral, like, um, for anyone who doesn't understand, like, know what a moral hazard we is. We have a very learned, uh, listeners out there. Yeah, I know, yeah. but no, just in yeah. case, man, we just, just in like, case. because no, because uh-huh. when, when I was looking this stuff up, I didn't know what moral hazard meant. I didn't right. know what mitigation deterrent meant. Because you're not learned enough. Yeah, because I'm not learned. <laughs> yeah, because I say learned, not learned. <laughs> Because American says that. No, no, I think learned learned is an actual separate word. All right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, a moral hazard is like uh, it's basically where you start taking uh, taking riskier uh, moves and behaviors because you know that whatever costs and consequences from your risky behavior is going to be borne and paid by a separate party. So let's say insurance, you know, you like to go motorbiking in the hills and doing all that stuff. But you know, you got insurance, you'll just smash your bike up. You know that if you smash that bike up, somebody else is going to pay for it. You can get a new bike. And this is what happens with trees and not just trees, to be honest. It's all of this um, climate controlled mechanisms. Governments are not like, not only are they making the wrong decisions and making a political decision, they're also going, okay, we're going to do this now. And... This means we can still keep pumping out a lot of these greenhouse gases. We, you can still, you know, we don't have to slow down our fossil fuel consumption because we're, we're, we're building, you know, we're building, uh, renewable energy plants and trees. The thing is trees, they, uh, they treat trees exactly like insurance because they're like trees are going to keep growing. So we plant a tree now over the course of time, all of the stuff we're pumping out now, we don't have to slow down because these trees are going to capture it. But it doesn't work that way. Trees are not, you know, they don't always last. Um, they're, they're susceptible to fires, to logging and all sorts of things. Yeah. And this is, and this is the problem I have with, um, with this whole kind of, this whole trees conversation and also this whole, uh, uh what is it when they keep telling us to conserve our forests, mm-hmm. right? Like it, these, this isn't, this isn't the main, like, 
solution. It's a big part of the solution. But the main solution is we have to, we have to slow down consumption. We have to start building, uh, we start to get off, get off fossil fuels, start going renewable. Mm. And the other problem with telling us to do, you know, telling us to stop cutting down forests is, we are not as developed we need this money yeah. like we unless unless they start paying and start giving us money to conserve forests then, then they can fuck off essentially like, <laughs> that's true really, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense yeah sorry i went on a bit of a rant there but fucking yeah. white people uh, uh, fn white people right? <laughs> <laughs> well that's something uh that's a peace of mind you get from nikki I mean, from Ifti. Yeah. Uh, Call me Nikki if you like. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's uh, about it. All right. Well, are we going to sign off? Yes, we are. So this is this is it for this episode. Yep. Very quick one. All right. right. Thank you for listening. And uh, we have a Patreon that's not set up yet. So if you want to start yep. giving us money to talk, <laughs> then yeah. you can just give to just, just transfer to my uh, private bank account. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, all right. My, uh, Except I'm at Amradhi right. Bank. <laughs> <laughs> like lots of viewers don't even know that. Okay, bank I exists. also have a Palu Bank account, and I will be opening <laughs> a bank account. <laughs> But in seriousness, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, also uh, Spotify. Right, so catch us there by the name of Competent Council, and we are signing out. Okay. Now. <laughs>